You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 267. I am Noelle Tarm, your host. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer, and I have Steffi here today. We are going to be talking about exercise when your body is under stress. We're going to be unpacking postpartum acne and hormonal acne, uh, pursuing sustainable weight loss, and if we have time, we'll be talking about Steph's favorite topic, intermittent fasting specifically when you're prone to hormonal imbalances. We, like all of you, are still in quarantine. We are home, and we are thinking about you and hoping you are safe. If you want to jump over to Facebook, you can join our Well-Fed Women Holistic Health Community. The link will be in the show notes, or you can just search Well-Fed Women Holistic Health Community on Facebook. Maybe Steph and I will do a live. Come meet us there and share with us how you're feeling. Welcome, Steph. (laughs) Hello. I just committed you to a Facebook Live. I don't know if you That's noticed great. that. Okay. That's great. great. I always do everything Noelle tells me to do, and everybody who <laughs> listens to this knows that. So I don't know if you're willing to talk about this, so you can just shut me up if you are not. What you were talking about, health to and So financially, obviously, you're feeling some strain right now, as a lot of people are. A lot of small businesses are. Mm-hmm. Um what does it look like for you moving forward? Like, where are you thinking about putting your efforts as a small business owner and like, you know, trying to also make a living for yourself? Well, I, um, not a hundred percent sure how to answer that question. I, um, so health to empower the whole Stephanie Ruper helping people with their health business, um, took a pretty radical hit at the end of last year um, because of the structure of the internet, nothing, you know, nobody's fault. Well, <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> right, right, right. We talked about that. Right. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. And, um, and then um, I, since then I was paying for all of our expenses, including team members, you know, wages out of my pocket, out of my savings which are in investments. And when I'm invested in the US stock market and quite heavily in the cryptocurrency market. And so um, fortunately, I managed to pull out enough savings to live off of for a while when the markets tumbled down and down and down and down. (laughs) Um, But now my plan of living off of my investments is, uh, has become precarious. So, Mm. um, that being said, I just finished a book on spiritual health in the modern world. Um, and it's great. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure how it's going to be published yet, if I'm going to self publish it, or if I'm going to go with a, you know, more traditional publisher. Um, I have been uh, applying for a couple of of research position jobs that seem like they could be good fits for me, but those are extremely, extremely hard to get. Um, I do feel very passionately about focusing on doing like the one thing I do well, right. Which is like helping people answer big questions. Um, 
So, cause I've just, I have been, and I think I've spoken about this recently on the podcast, like I have been spread very thin for a very long time. And you all know that I work very long hours and I'm okay with that. I don't think everybody is obligated to, you know, but that's been my choice. Um, and, and it's time for me to like really dial in on, on what I can like do for the world. So, um, in terms of what that means for health to empower, like absolutely, like I'm keeping it alive and I will always and forever be present to this community. Um, I may like share more posts from my other page to this page, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, because I am still talking about health, but in a much more holistic way nowadays. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's about as much as I can say concretely about my plans, but that's it's actually also, I did say quite a lot about what's going on for me. So <laughs> talk to me about cryptocurrency. When did, did you invest? Really? <laughs> Did you invest like a really long time ago when it was really not a thing? Yeah. So I invested early in 2017, which was incredibly smart. And then I made gangbusters and I was like swimming in cash. Um, <laughs> Just imagining you in some like rap, rap video. I mean, like for, for I, don't, I don't know. Everybody has different ideas about what a lot of money is. Yes, but like yeah. for me. I had a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and then I lost it all when the cryptocurrency market came back down because I wasn't a smart trader then, but I am now. Um, and so I was actually trading pretty successfully at the beginning of this year. Um, unfortunately, I just, I can't, like the storms in my life. I had just gone through this breakup when, uh, when the coronavirus stuff started happening. And so the market started tumbling and I didn't notice because I was laying in my bed, you know, sad. And so I managed to sell in time to, to, you know, save, save my investments. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm the kind of person who has like plans A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, which is great. And it's keeping me afloat right now, but I'm currently on like plan D, you know, like, <laughs> This is why I made so many contingency plans. Um, but I do need to like really focus um, yeah. for the time being, which is great. And um, yeah, so that's that's my that's my crypto life. <laughs> yeah, opportunity brings pain, but it also brings growth. And so yeah, that's hard. Well, but... yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, we'll be we'll stay tuned. We'll stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, I um, I know you've been through a lot. Gosh, this has been a year. People I are can't, <laughs> I can't. My friend and I the other day were like, "Wait, like when Aus is was it this year? When was Australia on fire? Like, yeah, I know. Um, you know, it's just like the entire continent was on fire, and now it's like it's small potatoes. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, yeah, twenty yeah, twenty. I, know, I mean, everybody knows. There's a <laughs> meme knows. going around that's like, have we tried unplugging 2020 <laughs> and plugging it back in? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Would you like to get to some other topics that don't involve vi yes, viruses? The, the apocalypse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question number one is from Taylor. Tell me about how y'all balance exercise and feeling under the weather. I've been battling sinus infections, turned sore throat, and finally a lingering productive cough for almost two weeks, completed with a round of antibiotics, but I'm still not 100%. I haven't worked out in 13 days and counting. Usually I work out in the early morning from home, but these days I feel too tired. I feel anxious about losing my gains 
when do y'all get back to exercising after lingering illness? Um, I'll be brief because Noelle will have something more productive to say about this, but um, I definitely listen to that. You know, I've, I've had illnesses where I was very fatigued and then exercised a lot and that definitely didn't help. Right. And so listen to that. I think some, if you want to keep moving, some movement can be really good for you, you know, stimulate some blood flow and stuff. Uh, do it gently, right? Do some yoga, go for a walk or like walk and then jog for three minutes and then stop. You know, um, there are ways to titrate yourself up and make sure that you're not taxing yourself when, when you shouldn't be taxed. Uh, and your gains will come back, right? They're not like lost to you forever. Um, and they, they return more quickly than the first time you you know, put them on. So um, it's just sort of like when you don't speak a language for a long time, but you go back to the country and it like takes a little bit, but it comes back, you know, so don't panic, panic about that. And really taking care of yourself will get you to where you want to be faster in the, in the long run, I think. Yeah, I think it's best to, to err on the side of caution in these situations because when your body's under stress and it's already taken a hit, you don't want to prolong what you're going through just to get a workout in, which, by the way, is really not going to result in much of anything if you're still sick and recovering. So workouts are stress. If you're going to expose your body, the the whole purpose of a of a you know exercise is to break down our expose our body to stress so that it can recover from it. So healthy individual, we expose our body to incrementally harder stress, whether that's more time. Um, or heavier, more intense weights, for example, um, more intense training. And we, we do that gradually and expose our body to that gradually because as we do that, we do a workout and then we take a day or two or three and we rest and our body recovers from that and it gets stronger. So then we can do more and more later on. So if you are already stressed, your body is already broken down, your energy, your system, your respiratory system has already taken a hit, which it has. It's a rest. What you have is respiratory illness. And then you're trying to expose your body to more stress. It's going to be completely unproductive. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So you're, I think that we all get, it's very easy to get caught up in your routine and, you know, and then when something throws that routine off, it's, it sucks, you know, it's hard. Um, and I get that, but the, even the antibiotics too, it's just hard to, it, it takes its toll. So I would take your time to get strong. I also think that, um, I also think that the way we define workouts is sort of like we're we're very most people the fitness industry as a whole defines workouts very like one way you know it's either like a crossfit workout or a four mile run like it has to be intense to be a workout it has to be at least 30 minutes to be a workout what you can do right now is focusing on yoga on breathing on restorative workouts you can focus on walking it's the one thing that has been in my life for the last three years has been walking like i've walked up to six miles when i still wasn't sleeping but wanted to walk with stella and push her around you know, we'd walk for an hour and 15 minutes. And so you can still do that and build up your walking, get some fresh air, get some sunshine, do some yoga or just stretching or whatever. Um, and that can be part of your working out, exercise, stress relief. 
without exposing your body to a significant amount of stress. And so I think if we can, as a culture, reshape the way we think about workouts and know that there's a variety of workouts that we can choose from and that we can just pick and choose from them depending on how our body feels. But also, if you're chronically, if you're sick, if you are under-rested, if you are super stressed out, choose rest over workouts. That is that is my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Um second question. Hi Noel and Stephanie, I've been loving your episode topics related to pregnancy and postpartum as I just had my first child four and a half months ago. I was hoping you could help me understand what might be going on with my hormones and how that has affected my skin during pregnancy and postpartum. I've struggled with acne since age 12. I'm now 31. I've Nothing has ever seemed to cure it, including multiple years of food elimination diets, prescriptions, and natural or clean skincare. What happened during my pregnancy confirmed to me that acne is most likely due to hormonal imbalances around the second trimester. My skin completely cleared up for the first time ever. It was amazing. I had never known what it was like to experience what most women completely take for granted. It felt so freeing. I was so hopeful that the change in my hormones would solve the problem for good as the clear skin lasted until about three months postpartum. That was when I noticed my skin and scalp were becoming oily and acne-prone again, along with expected hair shedding. I'm having such a hard time finding any information on why acne can disappear during pregnancy, as most resources only discuss the opposite problem of getting pregnant breakouts while pregnant. I'm wondering if this has anything to do with increased estrogen levels during pregnancy. I would love any thoughts or suggestions you may have regarding the issue. I've tried Paleo Whole30 diets in the past, even taken the Everly Well food sensitivity test, but no elimination diet has ever made a difference in my skin. I even consumed a ton of dairy during pregnancy because I kept choking on calcium pills and the excess dairy didn't seem to make me break out. Currently, I am still breastfeeding and I have not eliminated anything particular from my diet, just trying to consume healthy foods as much as possible. Thank you so much for giving your time to this podcast. Any advice you have and any advice you have for me? Um, yeah. So I'll talk a, a little bit about skin. Um, uh, yes, definitely. Uh, this is would be hormonal. And yes, your female sex hormones would be able to make a radical change in your skin. Um, and we see similar effects in women um, who go on and off the pill. And of course, that's that's very complicated, but, um, you know, and, and the situations are all different, but it, it does um, happen. It can be like night and day. Um, estrogen receptors are found all over your body, uh, including in your skin. And there are different kinds of estrogen receptors and different kinds of estrogen. Um, but generally speaking, the more estrogen that you get to these receptor sites, the better job it does counterbalancing uh, the effects of male sex hormones on your skin. Um, also, the more female sex hormones you have in your bloodstream, um, uh, you can also, uh, well, usually there would be an increase. I'm not 100% sure about the second trimester, but there's a molecule called sex hormone binding globulin, and that will bind to male sex hormones and, and pull them out of pull them out of circulation as well. Um, so in any case, like there is a balancing effect. Um, in terms of what to do about this, um, I would ask about um, what 
your health is like before the pregnancy. Um, I'm wondering if you had regular periods um, and if you had ever been tested uh, for polycystic ovarian syndrome because it very well um, may have been a thing, usually uh, pretty serious uh, hormone imbalance would be correlated with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, your skin could just, you know, be really sensitive to that. I'm curious if you also have acne on other parts of your body, um, which would suggest that um, your, your skin overall is quite sensitive to um, male sex hormones like testosterone and uh, DHEAS. Um, I couldn't really give you a ton of advice in terms of what to do about your hormones without knowing more about your um, hormone profile, but it does sound as if your male sex hormones are elevated, and I know you've done a lot um, to work with elimination diets, but you know what? When I really struggled with acne, I tried a bunch of elimination diets too, and they usually didn't work. I mean, keeping things like dairy out of my diet helped, but it didn't solve the problem completely. Um, and I really needed to figure out precisely what hormone deficiencies I had and, and how to address them. Um, uh, for the record, this is what my PCOS Unlocked the Manual does for people is helps you figure out specifically what your um, hormone profile is and, and address it. Now, if you... Um, do I don't know if you've ever been tested to know if you have insulin sensitivity issues, but that could be huge um, for PCOS and for testosterone levels in your blood. So maybe you want to get tested for that. Maybe you do want to get a hormone panel done um, to see if you have PCOS um, or any, you know, just to know in general what your where your testosterone's at and where your DHEAS uh, is at. Those are the two main, you know, potential culprits in this. And of course, maybe like you do tend to have lower um, estrogen and progesterone levels um, at times in your, your life in which you're not pregnant. And so um, it's really important, I think, to get in, informed about that if you really want to like tackle this instead of just, you know, you can try an elimination diet, but if you don't know what's going to, you know, if you don't know what specifically is going to help, you, you will just miss it, right? Like if you're deficient in vitamin D, uh, an elimination diet isn't really going to help. Or um, if a probiotic or a zinc supplement or something like that. You know, it's just, it's best to be as targeted as possible. And of course, um, topical skincare can really go a very long way. And it took me almost 30 years to realize that, <laughs> um, that topical skincare can, can really, really help you, um, with this sort of thing. Um, but generally, um, you know, speaking, I'll leave it to my shtick about the hormones for now. What about you? Yeah, I think, I. I have a hard time knowing where to start. Okay, so yes, it's caused by hormones. So one, you're totally valid. Like, actually, I do hear about this happening quite often, which is acne completely mm -hmm. disappears. Or like this very common, it's a common thing for um, autoimmune conditions to, to resolve during pregnancy. So yes, absolutely. And yeah, progesterone and estrogen both rise. I actually experience this. I always, I don't know what it is, but I have a very dry scalp. It is not dandruff. I'm wondering, dandruff, I'm wondering if it's like scalp psoriasis or something, but I always have an itchy dry scalp. Disappeared both times when I was pregnant, came back with a vengeance at three months postpartum. So it does, I, and I, you know, I know hormones are involved, but okay. So like some things you just can't solve. Um, and so, 
or like you just don't have the energy to solve and that's where I'm at in my life. Um, but yeah, you you know, your you're estrogen, your progesterone continue to rise, continue to rise, continue to rise until literally it crashes after you deliver your baby. And so I think that obviously you know that it is hormonal. The thing that's really interesting about hormonal acne is that the root cause or one of the ways to resolve it is obviously um, taking care of your gut. And we talk about how the gut is connected to our skin a lot, but a lot of people can't make that connection. And your gut is responsible for excreting hormones. So a lot of like a cause of estrogen dominance, for example, is can be a sluggish liver and or gut issues, gut infections, which are not allowing your gut to function properly. And so it's you know, it's hard for people to make those connections. But I think since you've had horm- you've had this acne for a long period of time, it's time to go back to the foundations and figure out what is at the root cause, what is going on. It's not that you haven't eliminated gluten long enough. Um, not to say that that maybe wouldn't help, but it. I think that number one, you have to figure out what's going on in your gut. Do you have some co-infections? Do you have something going on in your gut? that is creating an imbalance and is also resulting in uh, chronic stress that is impacting the rest of your endocrine system and or your gut's not excreting hormones properly. So one, get a stool test. You can get a Dutch test um, and that'll tell you about what's going on in your gut. Number two, did I say Dutch? I meant to say GI map. Number two, consider getting a hormonal test testing done so that you can get some understanding about where are your hormones, what's going on, where are they at, do you have excess androgens, um, and you can do that with a Dutch test, which is a urine hormonal test, and it's very comprehensive, and it's what my I would consider to be gold standard. Um, and once you get information from those two tests, then you can move forward with making changes in a way that are hopefully going to treat the root cause. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Everly Well food sensitivity tests. It's not quite accurate. Food sensitivities in general tend to be um, inaccurate. And even though you could remove some of those foods and feel better, that's still not the root cause of what's going on. The root cause of what's going on is that you might have some sort of dysbiosis Um, some SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, and or like a co-infection in your gut. And once you resolve that, then you can eat those foods again. So again, root causes, figuring out what's going on in your gut with stool test. The test that I like is called GI MAP, GI-MAP, and then a hormonal test. So um, the Dutch test. You have to get that information before you can move forward because otherwise you're just throwing darts and seeing if anything catches and you don't have a target testing gives you the target and you know what darts to throw and where to throw them. So that's, and then um, like Stephanie said, checking to see if you have PCOS, which then you will have a different, you know, plan or program to help resolve that and heal that. And that would involve potentially an ultrasound um, to kind of see if you do have cysts. Trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, Chronic stress is always going to play into hormonal acne as well because when you have chronic cortisol output that impacts all of your all all other hormones everything your entire endocrine system um and then safe topical treatments i do not think topical treatments are the answer to resolving 
your acne 100%. It has to be a combination of resolving root causes, but then also if you know you are oily, you are prone to oil, um, and because that can absolutely lead to more acne. And so, or and you know, clogging of pores and that sort of thing. So safe topical treatments, something with salicylic acid in it, that is how I recommend helping to control acne and then prevent breakouts. You can use something like charcoal. I love charcoal personally. Um, it's good for both dry and oily breakouts, um, exfoliating the skin and then clearing out pores and kind of just absorbing impurities and sweat and all that stuff that we know can topically um, clog our pores, but also just inhibit proper barrier function. So that's what we really want to do is manage the oil if you do know that you you lead on that side, and then just support proper barrier function of your skin. Um, and yeah, y'all need get a you need to be protecting your skin with a good moisturizer. I'll get off that soapbox. Um, Steph and I both love Beauty Counter. Beauty Counter is a safe skincare company. The The line that I recommend is Counter Control. I don't always recommend jumping into the entire collection, but if you can just use something like a clear pore cleanser and the charcoal mask, that would be a way to topically help control the, the oil and the um, prevent breakouts. And then at the same time, get the testing done to figure out what the root cause is and then start to treat whatever that root cause is. So I think that moving forward, and this is kind of where I'm moving in terms of like a health practitioner is just like, let's figure out what's going on. Let's stop throwing darts at a blank wall and seeing if something lands. Like, let's put a target on the wall. And that is what we do with proper testing. So yeah, target emoji. This is I'm putting a target emoji. Okay. Um, question number three. Alexis asks, "What ways of eating slash diets are most effective for permanent weight loss for obese individuals?" It seems like every eating style fall fails after one to two years. And then there was a follow up question with this from Rachel. She says, "I agree. As someone who went through ch- um, childhood obesity." And wobbles between overweight and obese as an adult, even when I am eating my cleanest. I wonder when I should throw up my hands and just say, this is how it is. Mm. Yeah, um, that is that can be a huge challenge. And it's very well known that it's very hard to, like, you know, it's quite uncommon to lose large quantities of weight and um, your biochemistry can be stacked against you. I'm just going to throw this out there um, that if you struggle with uh, a really high body fat percentage and have for a long time and have eaten really well and tried a lot of things and none of it works, um, maybe consider looking into doing fecal transplants. Um, this is one of the few interventions that I think uh, is is quite promising and doesn't really damage your health. It doesn't really pose a risk to you. Um, but basically what they just, they take, they like literally take fecal matter from thin people and put them, put it in your body. And that helps grow a gut flora population that can like radically change your health. Um, and so I, that's something to think about and also something to reflect on when you uh, look at what your options are long term because um, managing gut flora health is one of the 
obviously, you know, as, as demonstrated by things like this, one of the most important things that you can do to try to help your body um, regulate, you know, regulate its metabolism and deal with its um, ex- excess energy stores more efficiently is really to um, try and help boost your um, gut flora populations. And Noelle is more dialed into that. So I'll let her give you a, a spiel on that in a moment um, if she wants to. Um in terms of ways of eating and diets, uh, most effective for permanent weight loss for obese individuals. Um, is this the question that's about fasting? <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> um, I do. Uh, there has there has been some you know data that suggests that uh, lower carbohydrate diets and intermittent fasting can help people with really significant weight loss. Now, I am constantly cautioning people about strategies that are extreme uh, because they can have uh, because they can have extreme physical and psychological effects, but um, I do think that trying intermittent fasting if it feels psychologically healthy for you um, could be uh, really uh, sustainable perhaps could be a really uh, successful option um, and also a, and or a keto diet <laughs> and or a really low carb diet I think that these are things worth looking into and perhaps you already have um, especially uh, Alexis um, well I guess you're both both you and Rachel are talking about you know having Eat, spent a lot of time you know quote unquote eating clean um, I would recommend that you focus a lot on nourishing yourself and including things that haven't been included. And so um, taking the supplements that Noelle and I are both really into about uh, vitamin D and and K2 and um, protecting your immune system, of course, um, taking some magnesium um, that would not fall under the immune system category. Um, I was thinking of more of like zinc and vitamin C and um, taking some magnesium and making sure that, you know, you're eating like you know, you're nourishing yourself with the good stuff. Um, and yeah, I'd look into keto and I'd look into intermittent fasting. And I know that that might not be the advice that people would expect me to give, but I really do think that our choices should always be very context dependent. Uh, and the data does suggest that, you know, there is at least some data su- to suggest that these diets can be more effective in the long term for managing uh, larger quantities of weight loss. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we've always been up from, from the beginning That if you are struggling with your weight and it is a symptom of um, metabolic disease in particular that or certain heart conditions or whatever, that 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 it it would like a low carb diet can be beneficial and as can intermittent fasting. Um, And so that is kind of when I sorry, I'm not meaning like a heart condition like you have heart murmurs, like heart disease is um, what I was saying. So. Like, I think that we've always been clear about that, and um, I think that that would be the thing to try. I think that it's important also to recognize that there is no one diet that's just going to be the magic pill. I do feel like we all, we this is kind of what we do as a culture. We look for that one thing, and there is no one thing that's going to work for everybody and is going to be the ticket. And so if it sounds like, and what I'm feeling from this question is like, oh, I'm going back and forth, back and forth. I yo-yo, I can't find anything. What you need to find is something that's sustainable. Um, And so that's going to be different for everybody. The thing that I do like about intermittent fasting is that if you're focusing on quality foods, which we talk about a lot in coconuts and kettlebells, and you're 
you know, that is you're eat, you're eating good quality foods. It is another tweak to try and see if that's something that's sustainable. In other words, you could just try a simple 16-8 fasting window, um, which I think is very doable. And honestly, I kind of do that naturally um, on a day-to-day basis, especially if you're working out in the morning and you want to wake up and, you know, get moving, drink some water, then go to the gym, you come back home, you eat in an an eight-hour window. I think that that's... um, something to try to see if it's sustainable. If it starts to feel not sustainable to you, then then stop doing it. Um, but everything to me has to be built on the foundation of high-quality foods, nourishing your body, and making sure that you're whatever, uh, like whatever health conditions that you have. Like I would really love for th- for this to be a concrete thing of, you know, what health conditions do I have? Do I have any sort of metabolic disease or is my thyroid, um, do I have thyroid issues? Like figuring out that first and then um, pursuing a diet or, you know, a way of eating that will bring about health, that will help you resolve those underlying health conditions as opposed to trying to, I'm really with this target analogy, but trying to shoot it at the, going after the target of, oh, I've got to reduce weight. What's going to help me? And you're always, you're bouncing back and forth between diet and diet, trying to figure out what's going to help your weight, what's going to help you lose the weight um, and sustain it. I feel like that's always going to be a challenge. It's always going to result in kind of yo-yoing and it usually, it's usually drastic things that aren't really proven and it's, you know, full of unsustainable tactics. And so if you can get the things done, testing done to make sure, you know, hormonally and your thyroid health and all the things, metabolic, your insulin, your C-reactive protein, see what's going on and then go after an eating plan that brings about health and wellness for you and you target those health conditions. And then at the same time, you're considering, um, you know, fitness and exercise and doing small little daily things that can like walking um, that can help improve your health conditions uh, or, you know, and slowly incorporating some short high intensity workouts here or there when you can. That's my answer. I think that's great. Okay. 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 Last question. We do have the time is from Katrina. Hey, girls, love your podcast and listen weekly. You both are awesome, and I enjoyed listening to stuff reports on Oxford and Wells baby updates. I'd love to know your thoughts on intermittent fasting, in particular for those with a history of HA. I've been reading various things on extending the overnight fast to 16 hours and only eating within an eight-hour window each day. As suggested by Max Lowry and his two meals a day, the health benefits sound amazing, and I love, I'd love to give it a try, but I'm always so nervous to make any changes that might mess up my cycle because of my, of my HA history. Despite always being a normie, nor, normie, normal, <laughs> health, normal, healthy BMI, um, I never had regular periods and lost them completely on three occasions following times of stress and slight weight loss at ages 16, 20, and 24. Now at 29, for the first time in my life, I've been having somewhat regular periods for the past year since I weaned my twins in January of 2017. God bless you, twin mom. Um, I'm so happy to have periods now and maintaining them is a priority, but I'd love to give IF a shot too. I've tried it on a few days and noticed my energy levels are so much higher all day when I skip breakfast. I'd love to see how I can benefit doing it longer, but don't want to mess with my cycles. What do you think? Thanks so much. I think much. a lot of stuff. 
Um, first and foremost, the health benefits always sound amazing. I just, we should all know this anytime we approach any kind of health guru or diet, the health benefits will always sound amazing. And that doesn't mean that they're not true or they can't be true and that they shouldn't be sought, but the health benefits always sound amazing. Um, and the, you know, it's not a one size fits. Nothing is a one size fits. Um, I do think that it's possible for fasting to work for you at points in your life when it may have not previously. Um, and I have to think that because it's the case for me. Um, and so I personally had hypothalamic amenorrhea for five years. Um, and, uh, fasting, uh, was not why I had hypothalamic hypothalamic amenorrhea, uh, but it did make it worse. <laughs> and uh, ultimately, I was just under eating and over exercising and then sometimes fasting, but that just made my skin and everything so much worse. Um, nowadays, now, but this is several years later, um, I do kind of intermittent fast. Uh, I am about a 12 14, 12 hour window, usually most days, um, sometimes longer and sometimes 16 doesn't, I don't know. I don't pay particularly close attention. Um, but it's, it's working and it's fine, you know, but again, like the health benefits always sound amazing. I'm, I'm pretty much the same as I was before. I might have a little bit more energy, you know, or I might be swinging my energy differently, or maybe that's because I'm drowning in coffee. I'm just kidding. I actually don't drink it that much, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was a nice image. Um, so I'm curious about what the health benefits are that you want. It sounds like you did notice your energy levels are higher. This is another thing I think, and that everybody needs to understand with a very firm period at the end. Usually your energy levels are higher when you're fasting because your stress levels, your cortisol levels are higher, right? Now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Your cortisol levels are supposed to rise in the morning and then take a dip and then rise again in the afternoon. Like cortisol is important. It keeps you awake. If you don't have cortisol in your body, you're a zombie. So cortisol is is very important and can be very healthy um when you are fasting it helps your body your body does keep your cortisol levels elevated and you might even make some adrenaline and that helps you feel great and that can proceed healthfully if you're in a body that once you eat the cortisol levels come back down the adrenaline levels come back down and everything goes back online like totally fine Right. Um, but if you've struggled a lot with managing stress and if your body is particularly delicate, then um, then doing this just like may not work for you. Maybe not now, maybe not ever. I, I don't like to say ever, ever, because, again, it changed for me, you know, and it just it depends a lot on where you are in your life. Um, I love that you could maybe have some more energy to deal with um, two two and a half year old babies Um but also maybe if you're not like sleeping great, you know, maybe if uh, you're still kind of stressed out by life, <laughs> then it might not be a great time for you to do intermittent fasting. And that's OK. And also you talked about extending um, a fast to uh, how to 16 hours. Yeah, um, you don't you also don't have to like do it that much. You know, I would start, I would, okay, if you really want to try fasting, I would start with 
10 hours for a week. And that's like, that's like sleeping overnight and a couple hours on either end, right? 10 hours and then 12, right? And then 14. Yeah. And, and then don't increase it more than 14. <laughs> Generally speaking, I mean, most people who are like intermittent fasting gurus um, will not recommend such a big window for women, usually compared to men. Um, and so I would just titrate it up slowly, very slowly, maybe one month at a time, if you're like really into this, you know, 10 hours and then 12 and then 14, um, just to, to make sure it doesn't disrupt your cycle. And if you see any signs of disruption, such as um, your sleep patterns changing, your energy changing for the worse, um, your skin, your libido, your discharge, um, uh, those are probably the biggest factors, um, then stop, you know, but if you really want to try it, then go ahead, just be really, really gentle. Yeah, you can definitely just be just be aware. Um, obviously, if you start to see any changes in your cycle, then stop doing that. Stop doing what you're doing and go back. Go back immediately. So it's just going to take slow, small shifts and then really being aware of all the stress. You know that your body is prone to this. And so any sort of under eating is going to... Um, also trigger that. So just be just be aware of your calorie intake. Make sure you're eating the same amount of calories and eating enough. Um, and if you start to incorporate a certain type of exercise, uh, you know, consider what those implications are going to be and be very aware. Also, you do not have to do intermittent fasting to live a long and healthy life. I, I just I feel like that also needs to be said. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's OK not to intermittent fast and it's OK to intermittent fast if that's what makes you feel really good. But also you can live a long and healthy life and not do that. So, um, yeah, that it just just keep that in mind as you're trying to tinker and find what works for you and makes you feel your best. And that's the goal. That is the goal. So I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything yeah. else to add? No, but I already um, said a fair amount. Um, yes, you did. Yeah. I was more saying about, you know, life in general. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not get into let's one of those closings where Steph, like, gives really bad advice at the end. Let's not do that again. <laughs> I don't think you've ever given really bad advice. I well, actually... Wasn't there that one time when you asked if I had, like, closing words and I was like, I don't remember what I said, but it was horrible. It came out a couple weeks ago. <laughs> You know what? I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. I can't remember anymore. Yeah, uh, you just like you trolled me for like weeks afterwards. You're like, oh, oh remember when you said that really stupid thing <laughs> at the end of the podcast? Shut up. I, was I like, did not. I was like, life. I be did not. Nice. I'm always Bam. nice to you. No, I know. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> at first, I agreed, and then I realized what I did. <laughs> Um, Noelle is a wonderful human to have in my life, and I am enormously blessed. And she is always very, very nice to me. Those are good closing thoughts. Yeah, Noelle's the best. I'll take those. Steph's the okay. best. Yay. <laughs> okay, we're done. Um, we're done. Let's just stop talking. Okay, for more from Stephanie, healthtoempower.com. For more from me, coconutsandcatabells.com. We love you guys. Come join us on Facebook. If you have questions, send them to wellfedwomen at gmail.com. Stay safe. We will talk to you next week. 